you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. That's right. Welcome back from a long break. Season two, episode 16. We took a break for the summer and it rolled into a few extra months. Uh, We've had a lot of things going on. We're going to talk about that. Um, You've probably heard about that in other episodes, but we're going to talk about it further with our banquet, uh, with our chasing towards licensure for S2L. It has been a busy season, but today, very special episode. We have an in-studio slash my office <laughs> uh, guest, uh, Kyle Gowen. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for inviting us in. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with Kyle. You guys are going to be too. He also has a podcast called Family Cast. He does it with, or it's Family Cast with Kyle and Amy Gowen. I believe yeah, it's the full that's name. exactly right. Uh, he does that with his wife. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But Kyle is the executive pastor at LifePoint Church. Um, he has major leadership roles. He teaches. He gives staff leadership. He's basically gives leadership for all ministries of LifePoint. For those that don't know, LifePoint Church is a one, two, three, five campus church. Yeah, two, five uh, campuses. Two outside of the United States, one in Brussels, one in Bangkok, That's and it. three here in Tennessee. So uh, big work, big leadership. You've also served uh, with your family. How many years were you in Brussels? Uh, we, were in, we were in Brussels uh, for three years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That was a big help start a, the 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 work there. So exciting yeah. time. Yeah. The campus there. You have your doctorate from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes. Right? And the Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Why'd you have to bring Texas up? Oh man. You Texas boys. You and Bruce. Uh, listen, you and Bruce. Bruce you all get, y'all talk about is Texas. You can get us. Well, you can get us out of Texas. You can't get Texas out of us though. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, you know, we I was on your show uh, yep. recently. We t- you had Katie, my wife, uh, as well on the show, and we just talked about our story and the ministry, and and that was cool. And so, man, I wanted to have you here, and I learned some things I did not know uh, as we were talking off. Um, you have some family history of addiction and things. Yeah, like we that. do. Yeah, we so do. So, tell us about it. Well, Adam, first I want to say thank you so much for uh, inviting uh, me in. I appreciate yeah. that so much. <laughs> you're thank in, you. You're thank in you. the infamous life after addiction studio. <laughs> well, it's, and it's awesome. It is awesome. And uh, I want to say, man, I'm so appreciative of the work that uh, you're doing and leading with uh, S2L. Yeah. And uh, it is impacting uh, people around the world, impacting people uh, here in Middle Tennessee, the United States, uh, I've been a part with Bruce. I want to make sure and say, and yeah. I've watched Bruce teach that around the world. Yeah, and uh, so you guys are having a, a, a not just a, a a nationwide impact; you're having a global impact in what you're doing. So thank you guys oh, for man. all that you're doing. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, man, my story kind of goes back to Texas. Uh, growing up there, uh, I come from a family of uh, addiction. Just to be real honest with you, uh, I'll 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 try to keep it um, concise. But man, as, even as I've been thinking uh, about us having this conversation, wow, uh, there's a lot of addiction in our background mm. and in my background. Um, I think probably some of my 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 dad um, came from a, a home of addicts. Mm. Uh, my dad was uh, 20 years older than my mom. Uh, if my dad were still living today, uh, he would be 95. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so my dad was 20 years older than my mom. 
And, uh, you know, that, that created some tension just in and of itself. Just that, that huge age difference. And it wasn't until later that I began to understand that, man, you know, my dad, my dad's had a marriage that failed, uh, prior to my mom. Uh, he had two boys. Um, I think my mom was only, you know, less than 10 years older than my oldest half brother. Mm. And uh, that first marriage, his first marriage, ended in divorce because of uh, drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Uh, my my dad's dad was an alcoholic. He died in prison. Mm. Uh, he um, he had gotten in a fight, got drunk, got whooped, got beat up, was thrown in jail, and um, died of an aneurysm in jail. Mm. Um, that kind of background kind of carried forward into my family. I think it's probably some of my earliest memories. Uh, I, well, I've said this before. I don't, I don't remember as a small child, my dad being sober. I don't, I never remember that. Wow. I'm not saying that he wasn't. That's not a memory that I have though. Mm. Uh, some of my earliest memories wow. are playing sports and wishing my dad weren't, weren't, weren't on the sidelines. Mm. Um, you know, just he would show up drunk early in the mornings. And really, it was, uh, looking back, he was still hungover from the night before, prior. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get in the car, and um, I've heard it said the worst, the worst 15 minutes of a child's life is after a game riding home with, with a parent. Mm. Mine was, was made even worse because he was, he was drunk. He was... Uh, there wasn't, I don't remember there being a lot of good things that he had to say. It was always why you couldn't do better. Yeah. Uh, but that intensified because of the alcohol even. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember us leaving home, having to leave home in the middle of the night. I lost count. I mean, 20, 25 times before they divorced. Wow. I have a little sister who uh, was born. Uh, I was five years old, almost five. She came along. My dad had his first heart attack at the age of 42 while my mom was on floor two in the OBGYN uh, delivering. He had a heart attack and was on like the next level up. Oh, my goodness. And so you were five. Yeah, yeah. And so my dad was medically disabled, which just thrust him into... I mean, every day, all day, uh, alcohol moved to prescription pills, uh, which moved to, and, and then I had half brothers who were doing this along with him, uh, in our home, our home w- had so much dysfunction, which led to us leaving in the middle of the night many times or yeah. leaving after he had passed out or and would you just go to a hotel or family, we like would, your mom's family, we or? would go to my mom's family mm. and you know, we, and we got there and my grandmother, we lived with my grandmother all those times we would leave. Yeah. Uh, my mom's dad was an alcoholic and he was in a nursing home because of his alcoholism. Oh. Uh, she had brothers who, um, alcoholics. Uh, and so all of this just was in our family, yeah. uh, dysfunction and, uh, lies and people covering up, uh, to, for, why my dad's not where he is or why my uncle doesn't show up to this or why our family's not getting together because of someone's always drunk, uh, always uh, high, something going on. I remember um, I remember my uh, dad sleeping at night with uh, at different points in, uh, of time, sleeping with a gun beside him because he thought we were leaving. Gosh. I remember him... Uh, 
I remember one night, I don't know what the explicit rating is on this. I remember one night my dad getting a little, um, uh, he was drunk. He knew we were going to leave. Uh, took took both sets of car keys, put them in his underwear and went to bed. Oh, man. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. My parents divorced when I was in the fourth grade. Um, and uh, my dad had gone in and out of rehabs. Yeah. He had uh, He had gone through all the, at that point in time, just to be real honest with you, the only thing that we knew about was AA, yeah. uh, 12 Steps. Yeah. Uh, and, and we heard often about he was an addict and that that's all I'll ever be. And I'm hopeful I can overcome yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hope there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'll ever be. And I have hope just for today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. honestly, I mean, and so uh, they divorced when I was in the fourth grade. Uh, my dad went through um, rehab again. Uh, came out, uh, made a lot of promises. Yeah. Uh, they remarried the beginning of my fifth grade year. Mm. And then by the end of my fifth grade year, they had divorced again. Oh my goodness. Um, I would tell you that during all that time, uh, my only solace, the, just to be real honest with you, was the church. Wow. My mom, um, uh, I mean, I, I uh, outside of, uh, the Lord, and my wife, my mom is who I am today. Wow. I mean, she is a big part of that because she was a rock. She was a solid, she was a firm believer in Jesus. And and she kept us in a church because that was where she knew that I was going to be around. Uh, that was the hope that I was going to be around good, godly yeah. Christian men because there weren't any Christian men in my life. Uh, she kept me in sports. She wanted to know who my coaches were. Uh, because she had enough yahoos yeah. <laughs> in our family that she wanted to make sure who were the men that were around. Mm. Uh, I told you I was living with my mom, uh, my sister. Uh, we moved in with my grandmother and my aunt lived next door. So I, mm. I had, my mom was very intentional about making sure I was around good godly men. Yeah. That was important to her. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I want to ask a question because the chaos that you just described, I mean, no, obviously, a lot of our alumni, a lot of our listeners have been the ones causing the chaos, but we also have families uh, in, that listen that mm-hmm. that are the recipients mm-hmm. of it. And I, just the stories that I hear are very similar of guys that come through the program, their childhood, awful things, mm-hmm. and the chaos they cope with, which you found solace in the church, they're finding uh, comfort in a bottle or something like that. And not only that, but they're justifying it because they saw a parent doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you found comfort in the church. And and, and you, I want to know why, um, instead of turning to the things uh, that a lot of people turn to, because that's chaos. And, and you answered it, your mom uh, made sure of it. But but talk a little bit about about that and just you found rest and peace. So I'm guessing from a young age, from fifth grade, um, your relationship with the Lord probably began growing because you had a trust there. Well, let, let me give you a little history on my testimony. My testimony, just a little, real quickly. Uh, you know, I was uh, five years old. I remember being in church um, uh, again, even as a five-year-old, uh, seeing my dad. Uh, my dad never went to church with us. Um, so my mom, like I said, she had us in church. I remember being a five-year-old, seeing little five-year-old buddies. And in the church I grew up with, if you wanted, if you were making some sort of spiritual decision, you had to go down front. Mm-hmm. 
at the end of the service, you talk to a pastor. I remember telling my mom, I want to go do what those guys are doing. Mm. Uh, I, I don't remember much about um, what happened. Uh, I was five. My mom filled out a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you that that's not when I came to know Jesus as my Savior. I don't discount what happened at five because yeah. it was at that five at that five year old level that uh, I, I think Jesus became a real person, and this must be somebody that is important. And we come to this place, this building, all the time. Mm. And so um, I, I recognize that. It wasn't until, I mean, we had gone through divorces. I was in church, all these things. But it wasn't until I was about 13 that uh, I came to know Jesus as my Savior. Mm. He, uh, man, I knew all the right answers. Jesus, God, church, Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, fill in, whatever the Sunday school answer, whatever you had in Sunday school or whatever, that was the answer. You could regurgitate. I, I could yeah. handle that. But it, it became real to me at the age of 13. Mm. And uh, at the age of 13, I surrendered my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. I was confronted with the fact that uh, I had put faith in all kinds of different things, but I'd never trusted Jesus for. So Christ was alive. He was real in my life. He was alive in my heart. Um, and so with that, I, I, I wish I could tell you, like a lot of teenagers, that Everything was perfect at that point. Yeah, uh, you know, late in my high school, early in my college, um, I personally began to experiment with drugs. Okay, or excuse me, I guess I, alcohol. To be honest with you, okay. it was alcohol. Uh, and and I remember one day I was probably twenty one. Um, I was living with a buddy, and I remember waking up one morning, going, "Wait a minute, what are you doing?" Mm. You are in a spot that you said you would never be in. Yeah. Because one of the things I, I desired, and I remember the day that I said, I never want to be my dad. Mm. I never want to be my half-brothers. Uh, the name going in my hometown, I said, I, I want to change it. Wow. And I woke up going, you you're doing the exact same thing you said you'd never do. Mm. And I remember getting up, loading all my things up, Moving back to my parents' house, and there are there are buddies I've not seen in thirty years. Wow! Because I just I had to break that off. Yeah. And I will be real honest with you. I wish I could tell you it was willpower, but I, I know that it was the Holy Spirit in me that gave the power to do that and the conviction and the conviction. To do it. Yes. Wow. So, Wendy, speaking of the conviction, now we're twenty one. This had to have been around the time that you felt you, that God was calling you into ministry or calling you to do something because that kind of conviction, that kind of reaction where I'm, that's impressive. Not patting you on the back, but your response to the Spirit of God, hey, I'm not going to be that. God's convicting me that I'm sinning against Him. I'm going to do something radical. I'm packing everything up. Well, when I was 13, I surrendered my life to Christ. Probably about a year later, I felt like, Man, I, I mean, even as a young teenager, God was calling me to something with my life. And you I knew did, it. And I knew it. Wow. I knew it. Yet for the next, uh, what, five or six years, there were periods of time when I didn't uh, live like that. Uh, and here's, here's what I know. I, I know that when I laid my head down at night, that the Holy Spirit convicted me of what I had done that night or yeah. the next morning when I woke up. That's how I know that I was a follower of Jesus, though yeah. I was not allowing him to, to shine forth in my life because I had conviction. And I know that you've probably got guys in your ministry, even 
uh, or, and people who've gone through. How about that? They've even gone through and um, who now give uh, testimony that, yeah, I was a follower of Christ and I know that, though I didn't allow him to live through me because when I laid my head down at night, I felt conviction. Yeah, That's only the Holy Spirit that does and that. And there's a difference between worldly conviction and Holy Spirit conviction. Worldly conviction, uh, I think people can, no, I felt bad about doing that. And Well, that's not what we're talking about because worldly conviction a lot of times we'll roll back on you. Yes. I feel sorry for myself, or it's someone else's fault. I'm angry now. Godly conviction is I've sinned against God. Yes. Right? And yes. That, and it's I'm confessing and repenting. I know what I did was wrong, and it's on me. Uh, and so that's clearly a difference, right? right? And, and I explain that because a lot of times when I talk about, man, I felt conviction, uh, and that's how I said the same thing. I knew that I was saved because I, I, for this period of time, even though I was living like a, <laughs> setting the knocking on the gates of hell. I knew that I was saved at this point because I had conviction. Well, I feel bad about stealing stuff too. I don't. Well, no, no, no. That's not what I mean, right? And so I, I break it down. Yeah, there. it's much deeper than uh, than than just I feel bad. I got caught. This was I was convicted to a core that said I've got to do something. I've got to change. I can no longer do this. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't do it on my own. Right. Uh, it took the church. Yeah. I ran back to my church mm. and uh I got people around me who were praying for me, who were walking with me. Uh my friends had to change. The people I ran with had to change. Yeah. Um and and so from there, uh man, I just said, "Listen, I'm going all in." Uh, I'm thankful that the Lord I I never got to where my dad, my stepbrothers or my half brothers or I, I never got to, to where my half-brothers and my uncles and my dad were. I yeah. never got there. Praise God. I, I, the, it is a grace of the Lord that the Holy Spirit woke me up, that I had, the, okay, you got to, something's got to be different here. This is not who you've proclaimed to be. And so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to do a transition now. There's a lot of relatability. The, the, the life, your childhood and the things you grew up, man, that, that you're singing someone else's story too, right? Uh, even Bruce's story is very mm-hmm. similar to that. Yeah. Um, but like, unlike going to the church, he turned to his father's vice. Yeah. But I want to I want to transition now because one of the things that I, Katie and I love, um, and I told you this on your podcast, your show, Family Cast, is about the family. Mm-hmm. Family Cast with Kyle and Amy going. Guys, go and check it out. It's a very incredible resource that um, just talks about real issues, everyday issues, pornography. Yeah. Uh, media, like technology yeah. and how to raise your kids. You do a lot of, it's like sitting at the table as you're sitting. Right? Well, our our, uh, our our little byline, if you will, is we're talking about marriage and family, mar- uh, marriage, parenting, and all things family. Yeah. Uh, so anything that touches that. Yeah. And so God, not only with the leadership of being an executive pastor and having the to guide um, other leaders, you're a leader of leaders, right? You're guiding other pastors, other leaders, uh, in ministry and just offering uh, the the gifts that God's given you, but you have a heart for family and men being fathers and good husbands. Um, talk about that. Share with us. Share with us just the heart that God's given you for men, because because you know S two L, we're a all male facility. Now, yeah. women listen to this podcast. So be careful. Yeah. You know, but but we're. I'm really. I have a heart for men too. And I believe biblically, when when God can capture the heart of a man, the, the an entire family can really have uh, a different aspect going on. 
Well, for me personally, that comes out of the fact that I didn't have a dad in my home. Wow. My mom did remarry uh, when I was 10th grade. I had a stepfather and uh, man, he was awesome. Oh, wow. He was awesome. I will tell you that I was a, a knucklehead, bonehead 10th grader that had a man and five stepbrothers come into my family. And so I'm one of these guys that you're not my dad. Mm. Uh, looking back, listen, he he was awesome. He wanted to make sure we were in church and he did everything that he could uh, to help me have a, a godly example. But as far as a a father, yeah, I didn't I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. And so I I I had to look to other people for that. I had to find role models. And so at that point, it became very important for me that I want to be that for my own boys, my own young men. And as I began to try to focus on being the man that my dad wasn't for my boys, um, man, I I had other guys who started asking us, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And so I would just try to, I tried to be one person who is a step or two ahead telling the people one step behind me. This is what I'm doing. All right. Yeah. And I love the show premise too, because you guys get in there and you talk about real life things that you and Amy have gone through. uh, And you, you're open about when you, when you miss the mark. Listen, we're not perfect. I mean, listen, uh, people who are perfect are hard to identify with. Yeah. uh, You know, in my opinion. And so we're not perfect. We, we screw up, we mess up those types of things. Adam, there was a, uh, um, uh, a Bible study that I went through probably, oh my goodness, uh, it, it's probably 15 years ago. It's by a guy named Robert Lewis. Uh, it was called um, Authentic Manhood. Mm. And in that, he gave, uh, I mean, we go back in that Bible study and you look through your past to what made you who you are. What were those things that stopped you at a certain point that gave you difficulty? Because, you know, we do bring a lot from our past to the present. Yeah. You know, who, what, we're shaped. We're shaped by broken people and we are broken people. So we've got to look at what was, what, what, what was in our background. Yeah. And uh, in that, there were four statements that he makes that you spend uh, a whole semester, nearly a whole year going through in that Bible study. Oh, wow. One is, is he says that real men uh, reject passivity. Yeah. Real men reject passivity. And he bases all of this out of the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And he talks about how Adam was passive. He wasn't there leading this leading his wife. And we, so he, we did an entire episode on passivity. Uh, so I, you, I think it was, uh, I don't know, season two, it was 14 or 15. So real men are, 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 they're not passive. He says real men accept responsibility. Yeah. Uh, real men aren't passive. They accept responsibility. Uh, real men lead courageously. Mm. And then real men expect the greater reward, God's reward. Yeah. Uh, I will be real honest with you. Those four statements have been guiding principles in me about what it means to be a real man that I have to listen when it, when, when it comes to taking the easy path, uh, listen, what God, God's best is not always the easy path. It's yeah. usually the, the road less taken, so to speak. Yeah. You actually just preached a message, um, at, at life point, uh, just talk and, and it, it, it rang so true Hey guys, if you're doing kingdom work, expect pushback. Yes. Expect things to come up against you. Yeah, there's an enemy that doesn't want you to succeed in what it is that the Lord has called you to do. So you you, you don't sure. want to be caught off guard. 
for sure. Yeah. And, and, and even that last point, gosh, that's so brutal. That last point of the four points you made where it's saying the reward, the future glory almost. Mm-hmm. That's the part that that's really hard. I mean, you even, I talked about this in class the other day. Um, you could, it, you're not doing those first three points, the hard things that God's called us to. Sometimes it's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's yeah. a, an incredible season of fruit, fruit, fruit. But a lot of times it's hard with the pushback, but you're not in these things for some current re- reward, right? Nope. And, I, and I'm reminded of the, the the testimony of Moses, you know, just hard life, yep. uh, 80 years, 40 years of wandering uh, before the Exodus, 40 years afterwards, and then he never even makes it to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't receive the earthly reward, but we're expecting the future glory. Um, and I think, Kyle, when you when you— Boil this down, and, and I want to see your opinion on this when it comes to being the godly husband, the godly father, in addiction. Identity is so important, like your identity in Christ. Uh, and you mentioned it earlier talking about, you know, 12 steps and saying that you're an addict and there's no hope there. It, it is so important. The guys that come to us, the first thing and the everything as we're mo- like the six weeks, 12 weeks, however long they're with us. We're making sure they know what God says about them, who they are, and His promises, because it's so important about identity. What do you? Yeah, thoughts? you've, um, you know, there's an old Puritan preacher that used to say and uh, has written that you have to preach the gospel to yourself daily. Yeah, not just to someone else, but to yourself. You have to remind yourself of that. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a there's a, uh, a worship song out uh, today called I Am Who You Say I, I Am. Yeah. And uh, in there, I have to even, one of the reasons I love it is because, you know, it talks about I'm chosen, I am forgiven. Do you uh, want to sing it a little bit? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but I am those things. Uh, who the sun sets free yeah. is free indeed. Yeah. And so when you're expecting the greater reward, God's reward, the only way you get there is by rejecting passivity, Mm. by accepting responsibility, and by leading courageously. And leading courageously, if I can't lead myself, I'm not going to lead anyone else. So that first and foremost is for me. And uh, and knowing that, man, uh, Lord, you've called me, you've you've called me to, to look like Jesus. And I don't have to do that on my own. You're going to do that for me. Mm. And the scripture says that he is going to conform me to the image of his son. Yeah, that's good. I don't have to do that. He's going to do it. All I have to be able to do is to is to spend time with him and get to know him. You think about masterpieces, whether it's architecture, whether it's paintings, whether it's uh, music. What I mean, this podcast, it doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes time. It takes uh, preparation. It takes, I mean, it, there's so much that goes into a beautiful painting, a beautiful song, the building of a building. And so uh, those artists, those people, everyone, they have, they've got to be able to lead themselves. They have to reject the fact that I'm tired today. I don't want to do this. Okay. Uh, they've got to accept responsibility for the fact that no one else can do this. I have to do this. And so those types of things are so important that I, I want men to begin to understand that. Yeah. Because I truly believe that as the man goes, so goes the family. Yeah. Well, biblically, I mean, that, that God has ordained it in that aspect. And tell me what you think about this statement. Um, I mean, the call of the gospel, come and die. 
Mm -hmm. right? So that you may live. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what are we not physically coming and dying at some altar, but we are dying to our will. We are laying down our things. And I think being a father and a husband that pleases God is in the same aspect of I'm dying to my being God or my will and my stature. And you know what? Sometimes when I come home from work, um, the last thing I want to do is get on the floor and play with my kids, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. want to sit in the couch or the chair. I got a, a chair that I love. Yeah. And I want to watch the game or I want to watch something or I just want to veg. I've earned it. I've earned it, right? I've worked all day, provided for my family. And what is that? You heard a lot of I, I, I. And I think the same call of the gospel to be the godly man that he's called you to be is not that you're just a punching bag or you're just like, life is, uh, no, but God's saying that your greatest joy, your happiness, my glory, I am most satisfied. What is Piper's thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. God is most glorified when I, when you're most satisfied in him, but because that's true life and you're going to find it in that. But the concept of laying it down, it seems so outside looking in, it seems so like, man, that's a lot of loss, right? That's a lot, That doesn't sound great at all, but we're telling them, I mean, I'm proclaiming to you guys, that is the design. That is the design. And and I think what so I asked you at the beginning, then I went on a rant. Tell me what your thoughts are on to be the godly man, to be the, the godly husband and father. It is kind of come and die. It's the call of the gospel. It is the call of the gospel. Uh, what I'm thankful for though is that um I have a lifetime for the gospel to be lived out. Mm. Uh I, I I'm not perfection today. Yeah. I won't be perfection until the day I see Christ. Yeah. Uh and when I when I see him face to face. And so uh I had a a buddy say a long time ago that I and I, I stick to it and I use it. You know, it's not about perfection, it's about direction. Yeah. And so I, every day I want to get up and I want to take another step, two step, three steps, whatever it is towards Jesus. Yeah. I want to look like him. Uh I'm going to fail, but I am going to tr- try to die today. Yeah, I'm going to get up and I want to put myself on the altar, um, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, so to speak, where I, I'm, Lord, I, not me today, but you. Yeah. I, I try in the mornings before I get out of bed to make my very first prayer, Lord, I want this day to be about you. Yeah, And then it's, Lord, I want to, spend time with you. I try to read his word. And and then I'm asking you, Lord, each moment, make me more like you. Each decision, trying to keep that in my mind. And there are days when there are moments in time where I don't. You need to hear that. Oh, yeah. But in that moment in time when I know and I recognize because the spirit is alive in me and he prompts me, hey, that was not what you needed to do. Then I turn. Yep. I want to turn right then. Yep. Not I'll get to it later. I want to turn right then. Lord, forgive me. Yeah. I, I, let's start again. Um, that's you know, so good. That's that's actually actually my measuring stick for growth. It's not how many days in a row do I think I, I nailed it. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's not how many days in a row do I think that I was a good father, a good husband, good leader, good pastor. It's not that. The measuring stick of, of when I feel like I am growing and in tune with God is how quickly do I respond to the conviction when I do fail? Because I know there's not going to be a ton of days in a row. It's when you do fail, when you do 
come home from work and you're jack leg to your wife, mm-hmm. how quickly am I to repent to God and seek forgiveness from my wife? It, or does my pride swell up? Am I being prideful? And, I, and it's almost like this internal thing in my mind and in my heart of, you don't, you're not going to apologize. You're not going to apologize for that. And then you almost just have to, the godly man does. He repents to God first, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I, I've offended you. But then it's like, I'm immediate and you need, you need to do it quick. For me, I need to do it quick because if I fester on it, it's just pride swelling up. And so, hey, baby, you know, I was out of line there. And even if my point is right, I'm not saying that I'm wrong. If I am, I am. But the way I spoke to you there, I wouldn't allow any man to speak to you that way. And I apologize. And, and that's, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm, it's not you, it's me. Uh, well, but I want it, it doesn't matter what it is. Success doesn't rarely, rarely, rarely does success happen overnight. And when it does, you're always worried about the ones who have success overnight because the money's mm-hmm. gone quickly, the business has gone quickly. The one that is the most successful is the one who puts in the daily work each moment, each day. And we are so worried. Uh, let me say this: I am so worried about the end result, the destination, so to speak that I forget about the process and the journey. And uh, listen, what the Lord is concerned about so much is what happens right now, this next moment, this next moment. And, uh, you know, uh, getting to the beach or when you're on the beach is great. We We hate the drive to the beach so often, but some of the greatest memories, some of the greatest growth, some of the greatest things that happen is what happens between the time you leave your house and you arrive there. We laugh the most about things looking back. We remember that, remember this, and we discount the process and the journey. And listen, I, so many guys today, so many men today are worried about the end result and we forget to look at today. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to be short-sighted. Listen, if we want the end result to be something, today matters. Yeah. This moment matters. Um, you know, I, I, I often, it's been, let's see, it's probably been six years ago. I've not been perfect in this. It's, really, it's probably been 10 years ago to be real lost with you. I'm not perfect in this. Hey, I won't make fun of you for being old like I did on your show. Uh, <laughs> well, I am. Uh, you know, no. Uh, I had somebody uh, recommend to me, why don't you begin reading the book of Proverbs? Hmm. Uh, every, You know, there's 31 chapters of Proverbs. Why don't you read the one? So like uh, uh, if, if it's the 15th, 15th of the month, why don't you read... Proverbs chapter 15. The next day you read Proverbs 16. Uh, I, I've been doing that now for about 10 years. Wow. Uh, I can't say I've been perfect at it mm. by any stretch of the imagination, but I've just tried to keep that practice in my life. And one of the things that I think uh, that I hear, it, and one of the things that I recognize is that uh, I look like more like Jesus today, I think. Mm. My mind is being trained in wisdom. I'm not going to say I'm a wise person, but it's being trained in wisdom. Yeah. I wish I could tell you that I have the book of the, uh, the book memorized. I don't. But the Lord at the right moment begins to bring a passage to mind to me or yeah. a verse or, uh, hey, hold your tongue here. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk in there about being a sluggard, being slack, not accomplished. Get up. You yeah. need to do this thing because Proverbs speaks about this type of man. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, hey, guard your eyes because if you're not careful, your eyes are going to lead you in places they don't need to be. Watch your feet, where your feet are taking you. To me, Proverbs is all about the daily life. And so, uh, man, I want to encourage men. I seek to try to encourage men. You worry about the next step. When you worry about the next step, the next 10 steps are going to be okay. Worry about this step. And I don't mean like the 12 steps. I mean like, (laughs) no, I got you. (laughs) I mean like walking with the Lord in this moment. And when we have the proper identity as a son, and a son who wants to please his father. There's a lot of metaphors in the Bible about, That's good. you know, I'm a master or God's the master. I'm the slave. I've been bought. And I believe all those things. But I'm telling you, as a dad with a son, two sons, a daughter, I want to be, I want, I want to be the type of son to the father. And I want to be the type of father to my sons that I see reflected in scripture. So if I want my sons and my daughters to walk in obedience, then I need to model obedience. Yeah, that's good. And uh, and as I focus on what is the next thing that the Lord wants me to do, how I, how I speak to my wife, how I respond to people, uh, if, if I can't control those things, I'm not gonna control a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. Like, I love the practical guys. So we're giving. If you're just if you're hearing this and you're just like, I'm just struggling with this. Being a godly man, well, you just heard practical. Uh, Kyle for the last decade, uh, and he has his doctorate in the and from uh, seminary. He's a pastor. He's studied God's word, and he for ten years has gone through the book of Proverbs. Why? Because you you don't you can't forget where you left off. And if you messed up, you look down, today's the 17th, read the 17th chapter. There's something practical. Uh, but as we close out, I want you to go over the four uh, things that you mentioned earlier. And I always know that it's a good episode when you hit the record button. Next thing you know, you look up, it's been 40 minutes, uh-huh. right? We've been talking and it's been flowing really good. I'm so thankful. But would you close out with just recapping the four points from the men, a godly man, being a, a righteous man, uh, and then just final thoughts that you have? Well, uh, one, I want to make sure and say, I think the, it was by a guy named Robert Lewis, right. Authentic Manhood. Authentic I man. think today right. that has been repackaged and redelivered in a thing called the 33 series for men. You can probably find it online, Amazon, somewhere along those lines. But the principles that he speaks of, those statements are real men reject passivity. Yep. Real men accept responsibility. Real men lead courageously. And real men expect a greater reward, God's reward. Mm. Those are the types of things that the Lord's planted in my heart that I've tried to pass on to my sons. We talk about them. They they became ways that we could say, hey, you know, let's not be passive in this. We need to, this is an opportunity for you to lead. You know, uh, hey, I'm expecting a greater reward. You want to put that away? Not that you're not going to be able to enjoy that, but today you got something else to focus on. Yeah, uh, I tried to implant that with my daughter, that this is the type of man you're looking for, mm. those types of things. And so I, I think probably the thing I would want to leave is, is this, is that no matter where you are, um, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're struggling today and you are ready to bail, or man, you're having a great day, I want you to know the Lord loves you. Mm. You're not alone. That's right. This can't happen. You, 
You can walk in freedom. We won't walk in freedom alone. We don't do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit who resides within us. Uh, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, He has placed you within a body. Yes, as a follower of Christ, you're a part of the, the, the big church around the world. But he desires that you be involved in a local body. That's right. Because when you get involved in a local body, there are people who walk alongside you. Uh, he desires that we be vulnerable. And when I say vulnerable, that we talk about things. That's difficult for men. Yeah. But I want you to know that when we do that, we find freedom. Yeah. And we begin to understand that I'm not doing this alone. Um, get in the Word. The wor- I-, I want you to know this. There is freedom in the Word. Yeah. The living Word, Jesus Christ, but there is freedom in his written word as you begin to read it. If you say, man, I don't know if I read well enough, I get lost, listen to it. Sit under it. Be in teaching. The word is powerful yeah. and it will change you and your family. I promise you. Yeah. I promise then you. you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Thy word is truth. Your right? word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. Yeah. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is powerful. Yeah. You you said something uh, one time at you, in scripture. Uh, how do we overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yeah. What should our testimony be about? How the word has changed us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Great, great, great. This is good conversation. We've given good um, testimony right? Yeah. Overcoming the enemy yeah. and some practical things. Um, obviously, go and check out um, Family Cast with Kyle and Amy going. Uh, very, very, very good resource to just, just man, I got young kids, right? And so I'm I'm loving hearing that even you just talking about training your daughter to marry a godly man. I'm in trouble with my mm. daughter. She's, <laughs> she's a firecracker. She's two and a half now, but I just know um, she's going to give me trouble. So I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the time here and speaking to our guys um, this is awesome. We're going to have to do it again. I hope so. I'd love to. Hey, guys, listen, stay strong, stay in the word, and I promise you, you are an overcomer, and you can overcome. That's it. Life after addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.